Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the President and Vice Presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. So tell me why. Well, we have questions and comments from our listeners all the time. Up ahead for the next few minutes of the program, we'll talk about some downloading problems, praying to the saints, and a question of who died on the cross. It's a listener email and the issues, etc. A comment line or email address, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the issues, etc. listener comment line, 618-223-8382. During the break, I just sent an email to our good friends at Concordia University, Chicago host of the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th. We're going to feature, finally, an official singles event organized and sponsored by us. It'll be Saturday night after the Divine Service. Lots of Lutheran singles listen to this. Might be an opportunity to meet your future spouse at a an official Issues Etc. singles event at the end of the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference after the Divine Service on Saturday evening, June 17th. We're going to stick around and and host the event. Yes. That means we don't have to drive through the night. That's true. Yeah. That, that is nice, especially with me driving. Oh, yes. So That this, is truly, <laughs> and I can't, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating in the least. It is a harrowing, the, driving with them at daytime is... Well, I've learned to live with it. I just commit my spirit unto the Lord, and then we and then we drive. I figure, you know, my days are numbered. This may be the time, but at nighttime, it's I would call it death defying, and especially as we're getting closer and closer to our destination, and he's getting sleepier and sleepier, and he and then he starts to lean on the steering wheel. The thing, I remember- and his wife told me that's a bad sign when he's leaning on the steering wheel. That's a really, really bad sign. So I just talk to Jeff incessantly while we drive home at night. I just keep him engaged in constant conversation. I don't even care what he says, what we're talking about. I'll just say anything to keep try and keep him awake. The thing I remember when we were in Houston, he was driving and he was on his phone. He didn't want to put the phone down. But how do you put? How do you drive with two hands? I've seen him. And- I've seen him type on his laptop while we're do- going down the highway. <laughs> I, I, laptop on the dashboard, typing on his laptop while we're driving down the highway. It's it's truly, it's a truly harrowing experience. Sounds to me like it's a TikTok video. <laughs> oh man, we'd have law enforcement after us if that would happen. <laughs> anyway, so one of the 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 features, favorite features of our annual conference, is the mutual consolation and conversation of the brethren. It's a great opportunity to, to meet Lutherans and other Christians around the world on a weekend. You only have to take off Friday if you work. And this year, we're going to have a lot more time for to do that. The breaks are going to be a little longer between speakers. So we're really looking forward to it. And 
Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee will be there. And you have more opportunity to, to speak with the speakers as well because we're going to have longer breaks. Mark and Molly Hemingway, journalist Mark and Molly Hemingway, Pastor Matt Harrison, President of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelion will be there, and Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. You don't want to miss it, especially if you're a single person. The Issues Etc. 2023 Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University in River Forest, Illinois. More information, give Deaconess Lynn Fredrickson a call. She'll take care of you. 618-223-8385, 618-223-8385, or find out more and register at issuesetc.org. Let's begin with Jack in Oklahoma, an email he sent earlier this morning. You probably know this but no podcasts available through your website or iTunes. Lots of email like this this morning. Something went wrong with the server where our website is hosted and a simple restarting of our virtual private server took about one minute and solved the problem. So that was a server problem. And thank you very much for alerting us. Whenever you have any kind of trouble with the website or the app or anything that we're putting out there, you just do not hesitate to send us an email because we need to know that stuff. We want to know it. And we were able to solve the problem in in relatively short amount of time once we determined that it was probably the computer that's, that hosts our website. And if there's a technical problem, contact Deaconess Lynn Fredrickson. She displays much more the fruit of the spirit than Wilkin or Schwarz does. Yes, she does. Here's an email from Paul. He says, He's talking about last week's email listener comment line. Issues, etc. responds directly to listener comments. Not so today with the man critical of former Attorney General Bill Barr. I didn't detect anything from Issues, etc. regarding the listener specifics. Did IE's reputation improve or diminish from the Antichrist Barr comparison? Difference in power and intent for sure. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for listening, Paul. I wouldn't want to be Bill Barr right now. If you follow social media, everyone thinks he's the worst thing ever. I don't share that opinion, but the left thinks that he was covering up. It really, up until about a week ago, it was only kind of Trump supporters who thought Bill Barr was the worst thing ever. Well, actually, they thought he was the best thing over ever until they thought he was the worst thing ever. And that coincides exactly with the change of opinion on the part of the former president, Donald Trump. So up until that point, but then about a week ago, there was some news where the left started coming after him saying that he somehow steered the Durham investigation in a dishonest way. So I wouldn't want to be Bill Barr right now. Nobody seems to think much about him. I don't know. I think the truth will come out. It generally always does. And the hyperbolic statements about either his greatness or his evil will all kind of tamp down at some point. I just would remind our listeners that until he was the worst thing ever in your mind, he was the best thing ever. And remember, not the best. Well, second best. Well, second best. He was the second best thing ever. And, and, and you, if for all the things that you say about him in office or out of office, remember it was Donald Trump who chose him. Remember first there was Jeff Sessions and he didn't last long as an attorney general. And Donald Trump could choose any person on the face of the planet, any person on the face of the planet, to be attorney general, his own attorney general. He gets to hand pick that person, and he picked Bill Barr. 
So if you if you want ultimate responsibility for Barr's, whatever became of Barr, whatever became of Barr, is kind of Donald Trump's fault. Because he was the one who thought he was the best man for the job. Let's get back to the emails. Should we have called the people critical of Bill Barr saying that they think he's the Antichrist? Oh, that was over. That was a, a overstatement. That was a Trumpism. Yeah, that was a Trumpism. But I, I thought our listeners liked the Trumpism. So here's what I find ironic about the criticism of Bill Barr on the right: Margot Cleveland, an attorney, regular guest in the show, senior contributor to the Federalist, and has clerked at the Supreme Court level for the better part of her legal career until she left that that profession and has done more to expose the Russia collusion hoax than anybody I know. She's doing basic primary research into that stuff. And a lot of other issues, election integrity issues, things like that for the Federalists. I, I highly recommend you read her latest column. It's titled, Any Journalist Relying on a Russia Hoaxer to Attack Bill Barr and Durham Should Be Tuned Out. Just read what she has to say. Now, this is a person who believes we have some serious election integrity issues. She thinks the Russia collusion thing is a total hoax. But she's not willing to throw Bill Barr under the bus. Just read it. What can you lose? Yeah. How can it hurt you? Here's an email from Steve. How about we stay on the subject of Bill Barr? By the way, did did you know he spoke at our 2022 conference? I, I, you know, now that you say it, I do have a very faint recollection of him speaking and, and I think I might've had lunch with him, but I'm not sure. I'd forgotten, but I went through some old pictures on my phone and I saw a picture of the three of us and I, I thought maybe somebody photoshopped. Well, I, yeah. And, and I, I know that I, I didn't eat lunch with Joy Pullman. She just kind of sat down at the table. So I faintly remember, I remember Joy being there. I remember your sister being there. One of your sister's friends, am I right? Yes. And then might've been Bill Barr. Might've just been somebody. I'm not sure. It might've been Bill Barr sitting there at the table, but I might be mistaken. Could have been Photoshopped. Yeah, or might, bad memory. Been, yeah. Or somebody looked like Bill Some, Barr. Someone hacked my, my, my memory. Wait a minute, I thought you guys were talking about Bill Barr for this year. No, no. Although maybe next year. We'll see. Yeah, he'd be great. I'll tell you what. What he said on <laughs> oh, education so good. is eye-opening and encouraging. Anyway, Steve writes, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior. I was listening to the podcast the other day and then going through listener email. Yet another one was disparaging Bill Barr. I believe the writer of this particular email labeled Mr. Barr a traitor and said the problems of the country and world are singularly due to Bill Barr. First, I think many need to take a long, hard look at Luther's explanation of the Eighth Commandment. The whole second section of that explanation that we should speak well of him, our neighbor, defend him, and explain his actions in the kindest way seems to be completely missing from most discourse today. We tend to think and say the worst things about those we do not agree with, and explaining their actions in the kindest way is the furthest things from our minds. I think those, including me, who voted for the former president's re-election have come to a realization that the only one responsible for Donald Trump not getting re-elected is Donald Trump. The public, wearied of his incessant tweeting, name-calling, bullying, and ego-boosting. Although many millions voted for him because of the alternative, it wasn't enough to re-elect him. 
even if there were no irregularities, Donald Trump would still not be the president. He certainly isn't the first one to lose a close election for some irregularities, and he won't be the last. I attended the issues, etc., making the case conference last year and found Bill Barr to be a knowledgeable, persuasive voice on his topic, the erosion of religious liberty in schools. I enjoyed his presentation and wouldn't hesitate to attend another talk of his. I think it's time we stop treating politics as religion and concentrate on what really matters, the eternal salvation offered by Christ's death and resurrection. I also think we should follow the commandments and Luther's explanations a little more closely. It might help all of us lessen the bitterness and anger that seems to pervade discussions these days. I truly enjoy listening to issues, etc. As a confessional conservative LCMS educator slash principal, it has provided me with guidance and comfort many times. I pray you will continue to do so in the future. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback, Steve. We are happy to help, and uh, thank you for your kind words about us, and also thank you for your kind words about Bill Barr's presentation uh, that I faintly recall. This comes from Lori. Greetings. I just finished listening to the podcast listed in the subject line with Terry Mattingly. At the very end, Terry asked Pastor Wilkin about the Lutheran take on the miracles in Mary. I can't remember the exact words, and I look for it. I look for a transcript on the podcast, but couldn't find it. My question is asking about the saints, whether Mary or, or any saints of our departed loved ones who are now in the community of saints. That just shocked me. I have been Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod all my life. I believe my loved ones are in heaven, and I have taken comfort from them, thinking of them also communing with me as I partake of the Lord's Supper. I don't pray for them, and I've never ever been taught or thought to ask them to pray for us. That was what I gathered from Pastor Wilkins' reply to Terry's question. Did I understand incorrectly? Ought we be asking any and all the saints to pray for us? I know people who talk to their departed loved ones, and I have never thought that they could hear us. I talk to God all the time, but never to departed loved ones. I always pray in the name of Jesus, our advocate, who intercedes for us. Yes, I ask friends and family to also pray on earth, but never have I asked the saints to intercede. The other question I have then goes on to when the Catholics have masses for departed loved ones and pray for intentions for them. I've always understood that when we die, we go to heaven or hell immediately. We don't need to pray for our departed loved ones that we know have died in the faith because we know where they are. And even if we have a loved one who aren't as sure of their faith, we still don't pray for their intentions, correct? Thanks. Love your podcast. And thanks for the email, Lori. Lori, I think you might have misunderstood what I was saying, or maybe you confused it with, with what Terry said after I answered his question. So to the best of my recollection, I said that we believe that those who have gone before us in the faith will now call them the saints, although all of us are saints in Jesus Christ. Those who have gone before us in the faith, I said they certainly do pray for us as do the angels and as does Jesus Christ ascended up the right hand of God. He's interceding for us. They follow Christ's example and they intercede for us, but we are not to invoke them. We are not to pray to them or seek their intercession, but there's no doubt that this is a very, maybe a nuanced position that's taken by the Lutheran confessions. And here I would reference small called articles if you look at the very, near the very end of where Luther is writing in the small called articles on the mass, he has kind of a laundry list of things, abuses that he wants to be done with. And this is what Luther writes there. This is the Lutheran confessions. Lutherans are bound to believe it. Although the angels in heaven pray for us, as does Christ himself, 
as do the saints on earth and perhaps also in heaven. Yet it does not follow thence that we should invoke and adore the angels and saints and fast and hold festivals and celebrate mass in their honor, making offerings and establishing churches, altars and divine worship. So Luther says they're praying for us. The whole heavenly hosts are praying for us, joining in Christ's intercessory prayer for his believers here on earth. But it does not follow that we ought then to invoke the saints or to pray to them or seek anything from them. We, again, we have the only command example that we have in Scripture is to pray to the persons of the Holy Trinity and to ask things in Jesus' name and not in the name of any various saints out there. So I did not say that we should be praying for the saints. Now, Terry afterwards gave his orthodox position, which was, well, we, we invoke the saints because we don't have any problem asking the living to pray for us, so why should we have a problem asking the saints in heaven praying for us? Not the Lutheran position, the orthodox position. We'll be right back. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. I'm assuming you got my message on the Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line after a few more minutes. Pastor David Peterson will join us to talk about pastoral sabbaticals. Picking up where we left off, Lori's email about praying to the saints. And you mentioned that Terry's Orthodox. You mean Eastern Orthodox. Eastern Orthodox. Orthodox is a good thing. Lutherans are Orthodox. Right. He's he's big O Orthodox. Is he Russian, Greek? I can't remember. Antiochian? He's Antiochian. He is. I believe he is. Okay. They're the kind of an Americanized version of Greek Orthodox, I believe. Antiochian. So let's get to the second part of Lori's email. This has to do with Catholics have masses for departed loved ones and pray for intentions for them. Well, yes, what they're doing is they're, they're not trying to change the eternal disposition of their loved one by saying a mass for them or in their name because they do believe that that can't be changed. Once a man dies, the judgment. So they believe that can't be changed, but they do believe that they can lessen the time that their loved ones will spend in purgatory before going on to eternal bliss. So kind of standard teaching in the Roman Catholic Church is that we sin a lot, so much so that we never really can make satisfaction. Remember, this is Roman Catholic teaching. Make satisfaction through confession and the things that follow to deal with all of it. So the satisfaction has to be made. God's scales must be balanced. And so you die. Very few are translated directly into heavenly bliss. The vast majority need to be purged of their sins. And this isn't hell. And it's far more than a waiting room. It is a time and not, we're not talking about months. We're talking about years, eons, millions of years spent not paying for your sin, but being purged of your sin so that you could be worthy to enter a heavenly bliss. And that's what they think they're lessening is their time in purgatory. It has not changed essentially 
from the time when this very subject, reducing people's time in purgatory, occasioned Luther writing the 95 Theses. The sale of indulgences were a way of paying. You didn't have to have a mass said. You just bought an indulgence, and that would take X number of years off of one's time, either yourself or your loved one's time in purgatory. They, they don't decide whether the person's going to go to heaven or hell, but they decide how much longer they're going to have to be in purgatory. And Luther writes extensively on this in the early part of the Reformation. And then, although at the time of the writing of the 95 Theses, he still believed there was a purgatory. He just didn't think you could buy your way out of it. But he still believed there was a purgatory. So he was not yet a Lutheran when he wrote the 95 Theses. What they believe they're doing there, this is they, they're acting out of sincerity, but they're sincerely wrong. It's needless in the first place. And also, no mass being said for a person avails at all before God to affect anything, any part of God's judgment with regard to a person's life. And you will find Luther in the Lutheran Confessions, if you look up, if you go online to Paul McCain had a website. Yes, he had a website with the Book of Concord there. And you can actually search. It's not a great search engine, but you can actually search purgatory and you'll find the places where purgatory in particular is being addressed by the Lutheran Confessions. So what's your 30-second response? Somebody believes in purgatory? It's completely unnecessary. It's not taught in Scripture at all. It is contrary to the gospel in that it implies that there is, that the blood of Christ does not completely cleanse us from all sin and secure for us total forgiveness of sins, that somehow something else must happen before we enter eternal life. Great questions from Jenny. She says, my family and I are members of our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lexington, Kentucky. My questions are, are we correct in saying that on the cross, God died or only God the Son? They are not three, but one. Can the Son die apart from the Father and the Spirit? How can God the Father who is eternal die? Was it only the physical body of Jesus that died? What happened to his spirit at his death prior to the resurrection? Great questions, and thanks for listening in Lexington, Kentucky, Jenny. We're not going to speak here of a physical body because when the second person of the Trinity took into himself a human nature, he took into himself a whole human nature, that is body and soul, body and spirit, however you want to divide it up. So it's not that he just took a physicality. He took an entire whole human nature up into the person of the Trinity, uniting himself with that humanity permanently, never to be divided, so that we are compelled to say that when that the man who died on the cross is God. And therefore, we are compelled to say that God the Son, united to this full human nature, died on the cross. Bible passage, you killed the author of life. Early chapters of Acts, you killed the author of life. Peter does not say you killed a man, but the author of life was unharmed. He says you killed the author of life. Now, if you really want to go deep into this for a very deep dive, you can reference a series of conversations that we recently had with Pastor Will Whedon on the catalog of testimonies 
if you just look up catalog of testimonies at our website, issuesetc.org, you'll find a series of conversations we have with Pastor Will Whedon where we go in great depth through the church fathers at the end of the Lutheran Confessions on the relationship of the two natures in one Christ. So we can say God died on the cross. Does that mean God the Father died? No, that's a, actually a rather early Christian heresy that was rejected by the church. The Spirit did not die. But God, the second person of the Trinity, united fully to his human nature, died on the cross. We don't divide the two natures at the cross. We don't say the human part died. We say Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross. And you say, well, how can God die? Well, he can when he has united himself to a human nature, perfect human nature, and when he willingly, as he says, I give up my own life, I lay it down that I might take it up again. That's John chapter 11. So that is... It, it, does it remain a mystery to us? Absolutely. But we confess as far as we can go and we don't try and sort it out where scripture doesn't permit us to sort it out. Speaking of John chapter 11, what a great recent series with Dr. Bill Weinrich. Yeah, we did just did a, a three-part series on the I Am Sayings in John. We're actually only dealing with the I Am Sayings in John chapter 7 through 12. That's why we didn't do all the I Am Sayings. And he did a fantastic work with I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, and I am the resurrection and the life. You mentioned the Catalog of Testimonies series with Pastor Weed, and Andrew says, I've really enjoyed the recent series on the Catalog of Testimonies and the Saxon Visitation articles with Todd and Pastors Whedon. The step-by-step breakdown is very helpful and a great study guide. So it was with great delight I saw the most recent series on the Nicene Creed this last week. In that vein, would you please consider doing a similar series on C.F.W. Walther's Law and Gospel Theses? I recently finished reading the version put out by CPH and would find such a series very helpful. Walther's audience wasn't lay people, but perhaps a series to pull the main points out of each thesis for the layperson to keep in mind. Thanks for the suggestions and thanks for listening, Andrew. We have to have done a series like that in the distant past. Have we? Have we ever gone through the... Th- Theses of Walther's Law and Gospel one by one in a series? Well, yes, in the course of almost 30 years, I'm sure, I know we have, but I'm trying to think since our, uh, our I don't think we have since our cancellation. Yeah. So that's a very good suggestion. Actually, I recommend anybody read that book, The Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel by C.F.W. Walther. In whatever version you find it, the old version or the new kind of updated version, although the update is fantastic, I strongly recommend anyone. It's extremely accessible to lay people. Yes, Walther was delivering a series of evening lectures to seminarians, but, you know, seminarians are sometimes, they're not that sophisticated. He speaks in a very pastoral, very plain spoken way. He doesn't get into any theological weeds. And then once this this book was compiled by his students. It's actually not written by Walther himself. He did not write this book. It was actually published by his students. And it's based on their copious note-taking of his evening lectures. So I highly recommend anybody read it. It's a fantastic read. And it's hailed as a great guide to understanding, and especially the proclamation of Scripture, by not only Lutherans, but by a lot of Protestants, too. Sounds like a great future series with... Dr. Carl Fikincher of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's a great idea.
Actually, Ken Sherb gave me that idea, so I can't take credit for oh. it. I, I never have an original idea. Patrick writes, hey, hello, during my commute and often in other situations, I normally listen to the talk podcast, but sometimes I want to listen to the sacred music feed. Would it be possible to make a podcast of the sacred music? Well, while it might be possible, we have a live continuous stream. And that's how we've decided to do Lutheran Public Radio, which is our sacred music station. In any place you go, lutheranpublicradio.org, you can listen right there. Or we have an app for Lutheran Public Radio. If you can find it in any app store, Lutheran Public Radio. And that will allow you access not only to sacred music for the world, which is a live continuous stream 24-7, 365 days a year of sacred music, but also to Lutheran Talk, which is a best of station for issues, etc., also running 24-7 continuously and being added to day by day. And then... Also, the word of the Lord endures forever. That's Pastor Whedon's daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study. The word of the Lord endures forever. And it also allows you to listen to this program live weekdays from 3 to 5 Central. And the podcast. And the podcast, yes. So you can, you can access everything we're producing through the Lutheran Public Radio app. The problem with a podcast that's entirely music, the royalty fees will be off the charts. We right. already pay CSEC. Sound Exchange, BMI, and ASCAP fees. Ask Lord Feichtinger. He's in charge of that. And that's just for streaming a 24-7 music and talk station. Right. If it was being played on demand and then played over and over and over again, yes, the fees would, would pile up for us. Joseph in Wisconsin, I have to commend the NHL hockey player for professing his faith and not agreeing to wear an LGBTQ plus jersey. He has a lot less to lose in the first century Christians, but still made the good confession of faith. That was, uh, it was highly commendable, this, the hockey player for the Flyers, I believe, who could have just put on the jersey, spun around on the ice in the warm-up, and gone completely unnoticed, decided that he would not wear the jersey and that he wouldn't warm up with the team. And in the news cycle, he spent about a week and a half being vilified by the news journalism community, course they've moved on to other things now that tom brady is retired so now they're talking about tom brady this comes from joe in ohio joe writes wasn't there like a guy joe in ohio what was the guy from ohio that was that everybody was like oh yeah joe the plumber joe the plumber joe the plumber what what election cycle was that i don't know i thought it was senator mccain but yeah it probably was joe the plumber joe the plumber whatever happened to joe i'd I'd like like an update on joe yeah me too Well, Joe from Ohio, don't know if he's a plumber or not. Please have more confessors like Pastor Tyrell Bramwell on issues, etc. when they appear. They give me great courage to note John the Baptist was not martyred for preaching the gospel. He was martyred for preaching moral truth. It's not lawful for you to have her. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for listening, Joe in Ohio. Great insight, something I've pointed out many, many times when people say, well, I don't want to be persecuted for for talking about the law. I want to be persecuted for talking about the gospel. Well, how about being persecuted for talking about both? And John the Baptist, well, you're essentially saying he could have avoided all that beheading nonsense by just keeping his mouth shut because he didn't have any gospel to preach to Herod. Well, he had some law to preach and he's called to preach both. And maybe even publicly, maybe even calling, calling the king out publicly for what amounted to his adultery. And he is regarded as a Christian martyr for having preached the law. Might have kept his head. Yeah, he could have kept his head down and 
and on. I love how Pastor Weed's like, they think they were going to silence John the Baptist and look at our liturgy now today. I mean, <laughs> they just, it's just, God laughs. Oh, yes. You think you're going to silence so you this could, gal? You could silence him. You can cut his head off and guess what? He's going to continue to preach until Christ comes back again. So you can't shut him up no matter what. John writes, thank you for two recent podcasts, Pastor Peter Bender's remarks on Jesus Christ's transfiguration and Pastor Tyler Arnold's remarks about pastoral visitation. I plan to buy a copy of his book. Those were both thought-provoking and edifying interviews. My thanks, as always, go to Pastor Todd Wilkin for providing this format for such edifying, informative interviews. Thanks for listening, John. Well, it's a team effort over here, so I actually just ask questions. The way that the show actually gets on the air has very little to do with what I do. I just ask my questions and then sit back and watch the rest of it happen. So thank you very much. When we come back, we're going to spend some time with Pastor David Peterson, another of our listeners' favorites. We're going to discuss pastoral sabbaticals. What do you do? Maybe every seven years, give your pastor some time off and not just vacation, but actual time off. We'll be right back. Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the president and vice presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. IssuesETC.org slash 2023 nominations. Save the date. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky, with visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Look for more information in early 2023 at lutheransforlife.org slash conference. Lutherans for Life equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org We're supported by listeners like you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Lord Jesus Christ may have ascended, but you can find Him at Lutheran Church of the Ascension in Atlanta, where He is ever-present in His Word and Sacraments. Join us for the Divine Service on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Bible Study at 9 a.m. Ascension is a distinctively confessional Lutheran church located in the Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us on the web at ascension-lcms.com. Greetings, fellow Lutherans. AdCrucem has an amazing number of new products on the website. Come and see our new Sunday School or Confirmation medallions featuring the six chief parts and Luther's seal. Browse our stunning incense burners and their engraved solid wood boxes. Purchase Kathy and Kelly's beautiful new jewellery for your beloved for Valentine's Day or order some personalised stickers for your church or school. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. <laughs> 